0: Picture this. It's Monday afternoon and you're at Domino's buying a large three-topping pizza. You give the Domino's employee $7.99, plus tax, of course. Now, picture this. It's Friday and you're at Domino's buying a large three-topping pizza. You give the Domino's employee more than you paid Monday. You feel bamboozled. But then you hear this. Domino's is now extending its $7.99 large three-topping carryout deal to all day, every day. And so you danced and ate Domino's. Carryout only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary.
1: Log Talk Radio.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Beth Bond coming to you live from Decatur, Georgia, and I have. Someone with me today who has actually been a guest before, but it's been a couple years, but I really consider him a good friend, and he is Mr. Energy Efficiency about everything. So we are going to have, um, and we're going to talk about a really cool, exciting program, which um, I'm looking forward to having the conversation. Uh, Today's guest is Frank Wickstead. He is a licensed general contractor in Georgia, a lead APBD plus C. Frank, are you trying for every single alphabet letter behind the lead? Um, and a Building Performance Institute building <laughs> analyst, ana- analyst, proctor, trainer, and subject matter expert. Frank has degrees in architectural design and building construction from Georgia Tech, the University of Georgia, and he has given the Georgia Institute of Technology's 2010 Environmental Leadership Award. As a design and build remodeler, he was named one of the top 50 remodelers in the country by Remodeler Magazine was named the Earthcraft Renovator of the Year in 2009 and 2010. He is currently a professor at Georgia Tech and a senior manager with ICF, where he leads a statewide demand-side management program in Georgia with the goal of increasing energy efficiency of Georgia's new and existing residential commercial building stock. However, there's one more thing that he is, and that's what the show's about today. So, Frank, welcome, and I'm so glad to have you on as a guest.
1: Uh, great to be here, Beth. Thanks for having me.
0: Now you have a you have a title with um, AESP-SE, which is the Southeastern Chapter of the Associ- Association of Energy Service Providers. Who? What are those guys?
1: So it's a uh, trade organization of um, primarily utilities, uh, energy efficiency program implementation. Consultants to utilities, um, municipalities, uh, government officials, elected officials, uh, and energy, uh, any, anyone that's, that's a part of uh, the energy industry focusing on efficiency. So it's a pretty broad-based organization. Our chapter covers um, Arkansas, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia which happens to overlap with another sort of sister organization, which is SIA, the Southeastern Energy Efficiency Alliance. And I am the treasurer of that southeastern chapter of AESB.
0: Now, so no Texas and no Florida?
1: Uh, Florida, yes. Um, Texas has their own chapter.
0: Okay. So basically almost the exact same map as, as Southeast Green, which is pretty cool. So, you guys meet uh, annually, but you do a lot of work, and and that's what we wanted to talk to you about today. Y'all launched a new program for some veterans up in Tennessee. Tell us about what the project is.
1: Okay. Well, we found ourselves, um, after a few years, with a little bit of a budget and uh, a nice sponsorship base. So, in terms of what we were going to do with that budget, we decided that we, you know, based on what we do, put a little bit of our money where our mouth is, we were going to identify a veteran and give them a free um, home performance upgrade on their home. And uh, we partnered with an organization in Tennessee called the Special Forces Motorcycle Club who had us to one of their events where we um, gathered names of um, of veterans that were present, and uh, we, they just fill out an application and, and told us what an uh, energy efficiency upgrade would mean to them. Um, our board reduced that number down to four individuals, and then we put those final four individuals on an online poll and uh, gathered votes together for our final recipient. Who is an individual in Clarksville, Tennessee? Um, He's sort of the perfect candidate. Lives in a home that uses an abnormal amount of electricity. Um, Two of three children in the home um, have upper respiratory concerns. Um, He's on disability, PTSD, in the home a lot, and uh, he's just the perfect applicant. So we're looking forward to. Um, making his repairs on his home, his family's home, and then reporting back in our next conference the effect that these improvements had on the home and uh, and its inhabitants.
0: So that is really, really cool. And I want to talk about the details, but I'm just going to give a spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about solar for a minute because I think that solar – Sort of vacuums all the the wind out of um, energy efficiency. So you know, solar is so sexy. Ener- energy efficiency, not so much. But definitely something that can either either one can stand alone, but really should be approached in tandem. So with with energy efficiency, you know, a lot of experts, and I don't disagree, but but I think sometimes it, it sort of blocks the solar conversation. Energy efficiency should be done before solar, so your solar is the right size. Now, on this home that you're going to be doing for this veteran, and I don't want to talk about solar so much as much as I want to talk about like how how much work is going to be need to be done. How and how do you approach it? And and and, and how did you learn? You know, sort of the status of the house.
1: Uh, sure. So we, uh, we started, and you couldn't be more dead on on your assessment of solar and its um, association with energy efficiency. You know, to, for, a, for a solar provider to install an array on a home that hasn't had an energy efficiency retrofit, I would describe that as, as, as almost efficiency malpractice. Uh, the idea that, you know, with a few simple improvements, oftentimes you could dramatically reduce the size of the array and um, or dramatically increase the, um, the amount of load that that solar array could take off the grid and uh, account for such a higher percentage of, um, of the home's overall use. Uh, so with this specific home, we started with a BPI assessment. And that is sort of the... National Standard of an Assessment of an Existing Home, and that is an assessment that's specific to the residential market. Uh, The the magic of a BPI assessment is that it helps the assessor identify what measures would have the highest impact on the home while not creating a health and safety issue. In other words, if you have mold in a home or... A small carbon monoxide leak, and you make that house tight. Then, with less air changes an hour, now you have uh, exponentially uh, increased the uh, you know the parts per million that the carbon monoxide or the mold has in the home, and it's going to infect the inhabitants. So, to air seal or seal ducts on a home uh, where an assessment has taken has not taken place is is slightly irresponsible um, that 's even true of foaming a house. Anything that makes a house tighter should receive a, a BPI assessment before doing so so that 's the preachy part but then after gathering before data on this home, how the home exists, we model different uh, savings and there are lots of different modeling. Opportunities on the uh, on the market, you know, those provided by you know they're uh, propri- proprietary to consulting firms, um, available for free online by the by the DOE. Lots of great opportunities to sort of here's what my house is now, here's what I'd like to do to it. What effect should those improvements have uh, if done as a uh, as a group? Uh, so through that process we decided on a scope of work that's going to include air sealing, which is um, sealing all the cracks and crevices uh, in the home. If you combined all the cracks and crevices associated with this house, it would equal about a three-foot by three-foot window that's open all the time.
0: So oh, my with God. A,
1: you know Yeah, so, and that's average. That's average. And then with a, so with a case of caulk, you've eliminated that need, closed that window. And we're also going to foam his attic. And um, we're going to replace the HVAC. We're going to replace the water heater, and we're going to do a lighting retrofit. So take out all the incandescents and install LEDs. So, and I should—it's probably the right time to promote a couple of these sponsors. So Cree has donated the lighting. Ecobee has donated a thermostat. A.O. Smith has donated a, a heat pump water heater. And uh, Mitsubishi has donated uh, an HVAC system. So that's what we've uh, been able to um, obtain so far.
0: Okay, so hashtag jealous because that's what I want. I want that Mitsubishi because people, you know, people um, think about the air conditioning and you you think about it. Normally, even if you're a family, you're, you know, you're in (laughs) – you're in maybe two or three rooms in the house, and there may be 14 rooms in the house, and you're air conditioning the whole house, and you don't need to be. So, I love that Mitsubishi system, um, and I think that's great about Cree. And we've done some work with Cree on Southeast Green and um, your other sponsors. But the me, the, tell a little bit, tell us a little more about that Mitsubishi system because that that thing is really cool.
1: Well, Mitsubishi does make conventional systems, but we are specifically talking about their, um, their mini-split system. So it's, it's, the concept is um, it is a very high uh, – it's a very efficient condenser. And then rather than that going to a fan that distributes air through ductwork, um, the condenser – works with a series of one or several uh, what are referred to as heads throughout the house uh, or, or residents that heat and cool based on your specific desires. In other words, as you were discussing, you could, you could put in, uh, they can work with occupancy sensors so that you heat and cool the room that you were in, um, or you can set thermostats, for each unit in each room where it gives you the ability actually to simultaneously heat and cool um, because you there's no loss associated with the um, duct work. Um, it, that's part of what makes them much more efficient. Uh, the only downside I see of a mini-split system is uh, some people don't like the idea of the heads being visible in the room. Um, I would... Say they are better looking than a window unit, but still, it's it's not something that people are are used to seeing yet. Although uh, you know, it's one of these systems that are you you will often see in in Europe, Asia, and um, and south and, South and Central America. It's the you know most prevalent uh, system that you'll see in the world these days, and you know they they creep into a Society as energy costs increase, you know when you when it when you feel the pain, you know that's when you get rid of the expedition, and it's when you get rid of the conventional h g a c system
0: well, and I will tell you, I would absolutely agree that the one thing i mean even though I want it, I mean I want it so bad I can't even see straight, but that's <laughs> my one concern is is like, ah! you know because the duct is in the floor and you don't really see it, you know. Right. But those mini-split systems are, you know, they're high and they're visible. Like, I know where I would put it in my office, so I would not have to see it, right? It would be behind me where my working area is. But, you know, something in, like, the living room or dining room or, or, you know, I guess to some extent kitchen. I will tell you the other thing that I think is a challenge, and this may be that people just couldn't afford it. I've seen it installed where they don't run it through the walls, and maybe that's because they were doing it as a retrofit. And on the backside it looks like an octopus and it's, it's its exterior. I mean it's outside and you've got like all these pipes running um which is another con- not that any, I let anybody in my house as you well know or but behind my house but it it does <laughs> aesthetically I've seen it. Now I, now tell me why someone wouldn't I'm I'm sorry we're getting a little bit off on this but why not someone wouldn't insert that in the walls those those pipes. They're not pipes, they're more like wine.
1: Simply because it was more expensive to yeah. open the wall. Yeah, okay. So oftentimes so, they'll, yeah. they'll, it's, it's a, a uh, mini split system is one that can be retrofitted very nicely without damaging an, an existing home. So from that standpoint, it's a it's a nice substitute to a traditional HVAC system that can be very invasive to an existing home. But um, that's sort of, External infrastructure can definitely bother people, but it can be if you prefer to.
0: Okay, if you do the mini splits, then you you just take the ductwork out and seal all the duct holes.
1: Correct. Yep, and that's you know another reason. And you know when when I mentioned this home has two children that experience um, some upper respiratory concerns, i.e., asthma. With these two. it should be known that children under five years old, um, it's actually the most recent stats, a little bit higher than that through the CDC, but um, over 90% of children experiencing asthma, it's affected, it's, it's brought about by their home or their school and uh, oftentimes it can be the ductwork going through that crawl space that's leaky and in my experience of testing ducts of, you know, the average 1920s bungalow in the city of Atlanta, um, they experience 70% leakage, and that means 70% of that cool air you're paying to produce is blowing into the cross-space, but it also means, you know, for every... Um, for, every for, for all of the air that's leaking out, you're also pulling air in, is the point. So the air that's being pulled into that crawl space is being distributed around the house, and that has, that has serious health implications. And, and that's, you know, that's sexy, but, you know, that's – I think we need to look at energy efficiency. The same things that make a home more energy efficient also dramatically improve the indoor air quality. So from a home intervention standpoint, I really think that we as an industry should be focusing on those health implications more than the energy savings um, – the average family would gladly spend twelve to twenty thousand dollars to cure their child's asthma versus save thirty percent on their uh, energy costs.
0: <clears throat> and the good news—that's what I call an unintended benefit of sustainability, right? So that's you know, right. We're thinking the technology. Oh well, we'll fix it. You know, reduce thirty percent. But the unintended benefit is, is now you're affecting your child's health. So maybe it should really be the other way around. That the first selling point is we're going to help your child with asthma, and oh, by the way, we're going to save you thirty percent on your
1: electric bills. That's exactly right. I would, I would love to see, you know, before an allergist was to medicate a child that they would uh, subscribe. Uh, I'm sorry, prescribe a BPI assessment on the home. You know, for six hundred bucks, you find out that. That swamp in your crawl space is causing the asthma. And you never right. experience an emergency room visit.
0: Well, and that just shows you I mean, that's the other thing about sustainability, right? There's so many things interconnected. People like Beth, you know, you cover so much on the site. And I'm like, because it's all interconnected. Your health is connected yes. to the health of your home, which is connected, you know, I mean, it's just, it's all interconnected. Plus, energy efficiency means, you know, another unintended benefit you're using less electricity. Granted, we've switched to natural gas um, in a lot of places, but we're still there's still states where coal is the predominant um, thing, and one of the leading causes of of asthma is bad air quality, outside too. So, which is you know right. enhanced by burning the coal. I mean, it's just all interconnected. So, um, well, I want to talk a little bit uh, more about some of these details about the house. So, light bulbs is an easy one. Not to take away from the technology that Cree has. Um, created because it is it is fantastic. But uh, talk let's talk a little about a programmable thermostat because I think people are hesitant, unless they're really tech oriented, about doing programmable thermostat because I think it's going to be a hassle.
1: Yeah, um, so the next generation of, of programmable thermostat is referred to as smart thermostat, and and that is the uh, the the Honeywell has a unit, Ecobee has a unit, Nest has a unit that's marketed quite well. And uh, there's several on the market. A a smart thermostat is one that learns, whereas a programmable thermostat is one that you can set to turn on and off at a certain uh, day and time. And then a traditional, just sort of um, first-generation thermostat, is one that you turn off and on that, um, you know, if left on at the same temperature all day, can cost you a lot of money. So programmable thermostats were the first generation. Now, with learning thermostats, um, Energy Star is in the midst of deciding uh, what it will take to, to qualify a learning, therm- a smart thermostat as Energy Star rated because they're all over the board. Um, and, you know, me representing no one but myself on this interview, I, I can say that, you know, Nest is very well marketed. But it works on only a very standard system, a very standard system, meaning that if you have dampers in your unit, it's not going to work. It'll work, but you're not going to experience the benefits that you could experience with other units. Um, And it could could very well cost you more money to run. So it doesn't work with a unit with dampers. It doesn't work with variable speed. Uh, units. Uh, I'm sure they're going to catch up, but um, Nest should be considered a data collection device, not an energy efficiency measure. You know, that's why Google bought them in the first place. Well,
0: that's that's um, very helpful.
1: Yeah, my two cents is that Ecobee is the best learning thermostat on the market. Um, it works with works well with any sort of unit, whether it be simple or very complex. Um, there are a few people that are scratching their heads um, listening to the interview, possibly saying, well, if they put in mini splits, why are they putting in an Ecobee? Well, that would be a good catch because um, that, that is the one system, mini splits, that sort of come with their own thermostat. So we wouldn't be able to use that donation with the mini splits, but thought we should mention them anyway because it's a good product and they did donate to the project um, monetarily and with their product. Um, why do I like be uh, Specifically, I like them because they, um, in addition to the thermostat, you can buy additional sensors. Those sensors um, read the temperature and motion. So, uh, you know, the average home, the thermostat is in the hall, and then you have, you know, three bedrooms on one end of the house and a living room on the other and a ranch or, you know, different configurations. Um, what those sensors allow you to do is you put a sensor in every bedroom. Now, that thermostat is going to lean towards the rooms that are occupied. In other words, you might have the, the temperature set to 68, um, and it now knows that you want it 68 in each of these rooms. Well, it's going to make sure it's 68 in the bedroom, if that's the room that's occupied, or the living room, if that's the one that's occupied, even though 68 might translate to a higher or lower temp in unoccupied rooms. So that's a cool benefit. It also, um, um, for for the geeks out there, it offers a lot of uh, data about this is when your system turned on, this is how long it took to get to temp, so that you can make some more uh, intelligent, programming decisions. so if I want it to be at whatever temperature at this time I know that I need to set it three hours before that and um, uh, just let you learn a little bit more about how your house behaves.
0: Okay so we didn't even get to insulation and we are out of time so (laughs) I'm like well it didn't get bad we missed insulation because that's another like critical factor so why don't we say we'll have you on again as y'all move further through the project spend <clears> yeah. I'm uh, talking about insulation I want to make sure that if people want to um you know reach out to you that they get contact information so you know just tell them the best way to reach them you, you know whether it's LinkedIn or email whatever is
1: is good uh, LinkedIn might be a good option uh last name is W I C K S T E A D um first name's Frank um but email's fine as well which is f W I C K S T E A D at I C F dot com.
0: Great. Now we would be remiss if we don't mention that everything that we talked about today in every state, there is some configuration of a rebate. Is that right? That is true.
1: That's yeah, it's getting truer and truer, yes. Um most EMCs, um, utilities, uh there's something out there for nearly everyone at this point.
0: So You know, if you're going to do energy efficiency in your own home, make sure you check with your local utility and see what they've got available, so you can get some money
1: back. Absolutely. Whether it's an online marketplace with a subsidized LED bulb or um, sometimes cheap financing, uh, yes, definitely put a little research into what you have available before you act.
0: Hey, Frank, thank you so much for being a guest today. It was a pleasure to have you, and we'll look forward to seeing the progress you make with the veterans.
1: Thank you, Beth. I appreciate the uh, visibility in the project.
0: Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. I almost want to say this wasn't even a veteran's project. This is a kid's project because this veteran is going to be able to literally breathe easier in his own home and, most importantly, his children so I just I love I love it when the service and and the the business collide in the most wonderful ways. So thank you so much to Frank. He is incredibly knowledgeable, and um, we just appreciate his time and effort so much. <coughs> Excuse me. We are signing. Oh, I need to say, if you're listening to this on a podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would give me a thumbs up and write a review. We really need um, some help getting the word out um, if you're listening to this podcast. Remember, you can always get uh, sustainable business news and tips and ideas for your life and all kinds of great stuff on Southeast Green 24-7. We want to thank um, Jeff Hicks and the Heretics for our little piece of music called Life's a Peach. And we are signing out. Have a great, great day, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: At T-Mobile,
0: we're declaring the end of data limits. Introducing T-Mobile One. One price, all unlimited, for everyone. That's right. Get unlimited 4G LTE data on your smartphone on our network that was built to handle it. And get it at a price that won't break the bank. With four lines of unlimited LTE data for just $35 a line per month with AutoPay.
1: Switch today. Switch today. Top 3% of data users greater than 26 gigabytes per month may see reduced speeds until next bill cycle. Video typically streams at 480p with qualifying credit discount via bill credit plus taxes and fees.